0: Welcome to The Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to comment on this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes. Because I'm not posting a weekly episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when a new episode has been posted. You subscribe by tapping on the subscribe or follow button. Each podcast app is different, so if you don't see the follow or subscribe button, a simple Google search about the app you are using will show you how. I want to take the time to thank Christopher Cook. And Chris Nusitelli, and I'm sure hoping I'm pronouncing his name correctly, for their recent comments. Both were having trouble with various episodes. They would start an episode they wanted to hear, but the interview was different from what was posted. I'm grateful for them taking the time to reach out to me. Because of their efforts, I was able to address the problem. A professional podcast has a staff that takes care of all the parts that make up a final podcast. I, however, am a one-man shop, and I need your help. Please contact me anytime you hear an issue or have a suggestion. There are links to contacting me in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast and have benefited from it, I encourage you to start donating a few dollars to the General Missionary Fund each month. Rebecca Lurcher joins us today from Rhode Island. Several months ago, Rebecca approached me after listening to my interview on the Leading Saints podcast. In her email, she shared with me that she's a stay-at-home mom of 10 and a military wife. Her husband just hit 20 years in the Air Force. She offered to be interviewed, but didn't feel she had much to share. It was her closing statement that got my attention. Quote, I believe if all church members read the scriptures regularly, nothing could stop us, end of quote. She's a remarkable woman, which has things to share that will uplift and provide hope to all that listen. And now, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Great, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Now, I understand you're in Rhode Island?
1: I am, yes.
0: That's a small state.
1: It is. It is very small.
0: How long does it take to drive across it?
1: About an hour. About an
0: hour. <laughs> that is so small. I, Rhode Island's been one state that I haven't been to. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you're over there on the East Coast. How's the weather there?
1: It's been very cold the last day or so. It was five degrees this morning.
0: Oh, five degrees. Well, that certainly wakes you up when you go outside.
1: Yes, it, it did. <laughs> we had our seminary drive at six. And
0: it was really cold. Well, you sent sent me an email about a month ago and um, was talking about a podcast that I was on and the things that you learned. And I was just um, fascinated with you because uh, you say you're a stay-at-home mom. uh, You have 10 children. You're a military wife, which that automatically means you're traveling all the time, moving. How many different places have you lived?
1: Oh, boy. Well, we're on our ninth duty station. Okay. So I, but uh, we lived in one of the states twice. Okay. So I lived in eight different states.
0: Wow. Well, that certainly takes dedication, and we appreciate what your husband's doing. And, of course, he's backed up by you, so we appreciate all of that. And um, you also said that you have a degree in psychology. Now, you said you got it from USU. What university is that?
1: Utah State.
0: Okay, that is Utah State. Okay, I was wondering if that was the case. So were you born and raised here in Utah?
1: No, I was not. I lived in several other states. I actually had never visited Utah until I came out to college.
0: Oh, and what made you decide to come to Utah for your education?
1: I just flew into Salt Lake City. I actually went to Rick's College, as it was known then, and my grandfather picked me up and drove me up to Idaho. So,
0: oh, okay. Now, uh, a degree in psychology. What part of psychology were you studying? Were you studying to be a therapist, or what? What were you doing?
1: Well, to be honest, I didn't have a clear end in mind. I do. I was hoping at some point to become a therapist. Um, But I have not completed a master's degree yet, so.
0: Okay. And you said you were working on two master's degrees, but they haven't been completed. What are the two?
1: The ones that I worked on was was a master's in human resource management. Mm -hmm. Then I did instructional technology. I completed everything except my, the internship.
0: Instructional technology. Um, Yes. Yes. What did that entail?
1: Well, what it entailed was learning how to teach people things and how to assess what you would taught them to make sure, you know, that they had learned what you had hoped they had learned. And a lot of our time was spent working on the technology surrounding learning, which okay. would, of course, all be completely outdated because that was... 25 years ago. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. The, uh, things have changed a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> now, you, I'm interested in one thing here. Well, it's quite a few, but um, you said you're, one of your interests is in music. What do you do with music?
1: <clears throat> so I believe I have been blessed with a musical talent, which I'm very grateful for. Unfortunately, I was one of those children that never practiced the piano. But I did. Kind of teach myself to play the piano during my years in college, and that has been useful as we have moved around. Um, you know, sometimes we live in a ward where there is not a pianist. I've been a primary pianist twice. I could play for sacrament meeting in a pinch, uh, but I've been a primary music leader. I'm on my fifth time doing that calling, which has just been such a joy. That has got to be one of the best callings in the ward.
0: It's a lot of work.
1: It is. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> you're
1: right. It is. If you put the right kind of time into it. Yeah. So I, every Sunday, I'm preparing, you know, ways for the to sing and and play.
0: So yeah, I, I think it's one of the um, uh, one of the great callings in the church. I've never had it. I've been a primary pianist. Uh, but I've never actually had to, to come up with teaching these uh, young children the, the songs and the messages about them. I, I've always been amazed at the creativity that uh, some come up with to be able to uh, get across to the children the music. I've always been, I've always been very, very impressed with that and, and what they're doing. Well, uh, you also say, of course, your interests include parenting, um, now your ten children are they homeschooled? What are, you, are they go out to school?
1: We have we have four adult children and one about ready to go out. So I have six at home right now. The older ones were always homeschooled, other than my oldest son. He he did go to kindergarten, but then my husband joined the military in our in two thousand one, and the first school district that we were assigned to was not a very good one. So my previous research and reading about homeschool came in handy as uh, the spirit led us that direction. And I homeschooled exclusively till 2019. And at that point, we did feel led to let some of our kids go to school. And since then, we have felt like they should decide. So this year, I have a son in 10th grade at the local public school, and the others are all home.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Uh, that's quite a challenge. Um, How do you find any free time?
1: (laughs) Well, and for I've had to move to a I guess you'd call it a model of self schooling, where around the time they can read pretty well, they are primarily self educated, I provide the resources, of course, a lot of things online. I've also taught quite a few classes over the years, I formed co-ops art public speaking writing social skills cooking lots of different classes uh, you know just bringing the community together members non-members um, because there is I don't feel this wasn't a homeschooling podcast but I do think it is very difficult for mother especially if she has a lot of children to meet all the education needs of her children it's just not it's not really possible, so we need to find resources. In the community, we need to group together to help one another. There are a lot of avenues, but you know, I find that has come in handy. My kids who are in college; have told me that knowing how to teach themselves something has been very useful.
0: Oh, yes, I would agree. I think yeah? I think it's a very important skill to have because we get to a point where we just don't have a teacher, and we've got to start learning. And of course, the spirit. Uh, certainly can help with that as uh, learning. Now, you said you're also interested in leadership. Have you studied leadership? What have you done?
1: I have. I have studied leadership. I really enjoy Leading Saints podcast. <clears throat> I've read most of the books he recommends. Um, I'm not sure why I'm so interested in leadership. I guess I was, well, how to do it right, because it can affect so many people in a positive way.
0: Yes. And you mentioned the Leading Saints podcast. It really is a very good podcast. Um I'm not saying it because I was interviewed there, but um I've listened to it before that. And um no, it's it's he he's got some interesting topics. He really does. And um I often uh, when I listen to that, I I do learn things. So you do, do you listen to any other podcasts?
1: I have some I have a few channels I follow on YouTube. I'm very interested in politics as well. So
0: I'm interested in politics, too, and I get so discouraged when I <laughs> see what they're doing back there, Republican or Democrat. You know, I'm, I'm a Republican, or at least I am a Republican, but not a—I'm um, uh, uh, trying to think of the term here. Anyway, uh, I don't follow the ones that are actually should be Democrats, but they call themselves Republicans, the rhinos. And uh, I get, boy, I get just get so discouraged or else I get angry. <laughs> so, but each day I, I, I in my own mind, I, I know it's a bad habit, but I go, well, let, let me see what the idiots are doing back in Washington today. And uh, it's just, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I keep thinking of Joseph Smith and well, Heavenly Father saying to Joseph Smith that when people get a little bit of power, yeah, it's, this is exactly what happens. I, I, I wish we were back to the founding days where they served for a short time and then went back to the farm. But unfortunately, they get in, in an office and they think their job is to keep getting an office rather than doing um, good things for the country. So anyway, we'll get away from politics because... <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yes, I'm always interested in what's going on in that area. Well, now you said something else, uh, in your email to me, and that is that you really don't use the gospel library, but you said you were going to buy my book, which I'll let everybody know it's kind of getting outdated because the screenshots are no longer the, the same. The principles are the same in the book, but the, uh, the screenshots are different. Um, but, um, what is it you like in the scriptures? Let's just start with this. How how do you study the scriptures? What is your workflow when you study the scriptures?
1: Well, first of all, can I share an experience I had some years ago? Yes. Okay, great. Back on, uh, let's see, we're living in Idaho Falls at the time, and my husband was working at the local law firm there before he joined military. And I was a young mother. I went to a Relief Society activity where they brought someone up for Pocatello to talk about the importance of scriptures. And for an hour, we were taught how to study the scriptures. And at the end of the lesson, the teacher, of course, I have have no memory of who it actually was. But she spoke to us and she said, if you study the scriptures, it will change your life and your family's life. And there were maybe eight of us in the room. There it was not very well-attended activity. But she, when she spoke those words, they went right into my heart. And the Spirit said, this is true for you. And you need to take this seriously. So I've always known that scriptures would be important for my family and for my own spiritual growth and development. Uh, unfortunately, I did not... You know, always tried to read the scriptures off and on but i didn't really develop a good study of habit of study till probably five or six years ago um and how i've developed what i do this is what i do come to that is i will start scripture study with a, i do try to read along with the lessons as they as they you know as we go from week to week i've been in primary for years so i I think I've been to a Sunday school class maybe twice in the last, (laughs) I don't know how many years. So I don't participate in lessons at church very often because I am usually in primary, but that doesn't, so I try to keep up with those. um, But, and I do read the Book of Mormon on, on a, on my own, but as far as study goes, which I feel is separate in many ways, I will say prayer at the beginning and I will ask Heavenly Father where I need to study that day. And Every single time I have done that, a word has come to my mind, and I go right to the topical guide, and I start studying that word, and I almost always find the scripture that I know God was trying to speak to me that day. Sometimes it takes a day, second day, you know, if there are a lot of references, and then I've compiled all of these notes, which would be, you know, not only the scripture, but what, what I'm I am personally to learn from that scripture. And then I've I have several notebooks that I just pop those in. So that's what I do.
0: All right. And um, you use a hard copy, the the printed copy of the scriptures, correct? I do. Okay. yes. Okay. And and what do you do as far as uh, as far as note taking? Do you have a notebook or what do you do? A journal?
1: Yeah, I have a five by eight. I just have loose sheets, and you know, when I come onto a new topic, then I'll take the ones I finished and I have a whole bunch of tabs. So anything that I've been told to study. So I've got I before this interview I spread out all my notebooks. Uh, some of the topics are safety, sacrifice, parenting, overwhelmed, obedience, personal problems. That one's really thick. <laughs> <laughs> so if I face something calling or with a family member something like that, and uh, use the scriptures to help me figure out the right path to take or certain principles. Uh, then the things I learn will go in that in that tab.
0: Okay, so your tabs are kind of like what we in the Gospel Library uses tags. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And how many of those notebooks do you have? I have four. Yeah, four. Okay. I
1: started with one, and I have four. I. I I did enjoy learning about the tags and I do think that I could do that, but a lot of times the amount of revelation or information that I'm given is so complex. I don't think I could type that all in on my phone easily.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Well, there is a version of it at the church website. And so, so you can just use your keyboard and your large screen and type away um, I like to use my iPad when I study the scriptures because I can bring up more than one window. I might have it split between uh, the Blue Letter Bible and the Citation Index. And anyway, I'm studying. And, um, the Lord revealed to me one day uh, while I was having prayer and actually getting ready to study. Um, I'm paraphrasing this conversation, but it was basically, um, hey, Richard. Yeah, uh, you're out there teaching people to use the gospel library. Yes, I am. Uh, You do realize that most people only have their phones. Not everybody has an iPad. Uh, Yeah, that's true. In fact, uh, only about 20% of the members of the church use iPads. And I knew all that. And he says, well, then why are you using your iPad? And I go, well, um, because I like it. (laughs) And the impression I got is you need to start studying your scriptures on your phone so you can identify better with the people and the problems they have. So I do. Uh, And so um, if I use my phone, which is most of the time, uh, but I also study the scriptures in another language, and I need a larger screen for that because it's an American Sign Language, And so I've got where I use a combination of the both and try and do what the Lord says to do. So I do use my phone a lot more. um, And uh, I use the recording. I don't like to use my thumbs. If it's a short message, I can swipe the keyboard. uh, But otherwise, I just, I dictate. And the thing is, dictation just takes a little bit of practice. You have to learn to decide where the periods and the commas go because that's, you would actually say period or comma or semicolon. Uh, parentheses or whatever you want to say but uh, with some practice it, it can be done and so I, I advise people if you're really going to type a lot then either dictate or go to your computer just about every home here in the States in at least has a computer and then of course if you got a tablet you can use a tablet my iPad has a, a keyboard attached to it and so I'm right here now staring at my Mac um but right in front of that is my um is my iPad. That's what I use. But anyway, that that's my story, and so I do use the phone more often. But dictation works great. It really does.
1: Well if I listened to that the pod, the interview you did with Kurt Francom, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. My people <laughs> that are at home just barely got phones in the last two months. Okay. They're seventeen. So you know, paper scriptures were really the best for us anyway. But <clears throat> so I'll tell you a couple weeks ago, we were doing come follow me. I'm like, all right, everyone get out your phone. Of course, the little ones don't have phones, but, right. um, we, we did work with that and I can see how that could be really positive.
0: Yes. Yes. And what you can do for the little ones is, um, project your device up on a large screen, which everyone have, has in their home and it's very easy to do. Um, depending upon how you have it set up, but it's it's pretty easy to do. It looks like you have an Android.
1: Yes, I'm using my husband's uh, yeah. tab. I do not have an iPad, by the way.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Well, but also, I've studying a lot in the car while I'm waiting for seminary. Ah. And in the past, well, the years past, I've been studying during seminary hour in the church building in a classroom. Um, so I haven't always had Internet access, depending where we were at, so... Anyway, I've had to study in some unusual places. Today it was in the car <laughs> with five degrees, so a little cramped. But.
0: <laughs> well, um, yes. Uh, you know, that you mentioned iPads. Uh, they're so affordable now. Uh, you don't have to get the pro version, and uh, the uh, the one that's about $300 is a great iPad, but I advise anybody that really wants to now if they want to go to a an Android tablet, that's fine too. they're a little bit cheaper but uh the tablets really make it easy because i my tablet's with me all the time. in fact, when I play the organ, I'm using my tablet. It's oh. not playing the organ, but it's showing the music <laughs> and so um I notice a lot of the organists at the um at the tabernacle are using now iPads to show their music, and there's various ways you can turn the page. Um, with me, I have to twerk my mouth a certain way, and it'll turn the page for me. Um, but I, I enjoy it because I'm able to mark up the music and then delete and mark up, and you know, it's just I, I really enjoy it. And uh, but the iPads are getting affordable; they they really are. The, Apple's done some great work with them, and just to be able to split the screen and uh, just it's, I I really like it. But because of the directions I receive from the Lord, I do study on my phone. If I have some serious typing to do, then either I'll dictate or I'll move over to the iPad and do the typing. But yeah, that's, that's very important. Um, yeah, you're doing everything right. I mean, uh, I I have read every book there is on studying the scriptures. that has been published, um, at least by LDS authors. And, um, uh, they all end up saying the same thing they just use different stories and examples to get their point across but yeah having prayer having questions and you start off right right with a question i haven't had anybody i've interviewed with it has said they start asking which a word comes to them and then they go to the topical guide which i find very interesting very interesting
1: oh even tell you what that has done because what that shows me is that God knows exactly what's happening in my life every single day he knows exactly what I need to hear it's I mean what a testimony builder to have a whole bunch of you know weight of many problems family Mm -hmm. concerns have you on your on your mind and sit down and have a word come to your mind you think what
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yes (laughs) okay and you dig in, you're like, oh, boy, does he know um, me.
0: Go through the book and everything that you'll try more of the uh, gospel like library. I, I guess the key is here is that um, as I speak at devotionals and firesides and things, that um, I, I tell the story of my stake patriarch who I've got the greatest respect for. He's uh, quite elderly, and um, he served as stake president and uh, mission president and all those things and a great man, and um, he's been keeping journals and keeping notes on his scripture study, and you go into his study, and there's just, I don't know how long the shelf is, but there's just a lot of journals up there. And I interviewed him, and I said, now, if you need to, you're reading the scriptures, and you think, wow, there was something that I wrote about this Uh, I got to see if I can find it. I said, how do you find it? (laughs) And he said, well, uh, I go and try to guess the year. And anyway, it can take an hour or two to find what he's looking for, where if, if you had all your information in the gospel library, Uh, Those tabs become uh, tags and your notes are in there. All your notes are indexed. It just takes you a few seconds to actually find any information so that you can, uh, you know, see what you've written uh, previously about that particular subject. So it's just. And the other thing about the Gospel Library is it's a missionary tool, and I keep talking about that with people. It seems like most people think the Gospel Library is scriptures, and it's not in fact, I made a mind map I'm a very visual person I made a mind map of of what the Gospel library does and 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 everything and uh it's a lot of things it's it's videos, it's magazines, it's books. Uh, it's just, a, a, it's literally a library. And we have to realize there's a whole section just for children uh, and some marvelous things in there for children. And even music, they have um, um, follow along music for children. I don't know if you've seen that in the gospel library, but y- you could literally put it up on a screen and it has the bouncing ball <laughs> as, with, with the lyrics. And it's, it's a great tool with children. Um, so the gospel library is more than just the scriptures. And I think that's what makes it such a powerful thing because if we're using the gospel library as a missionary tool, then as you and I study the scriptures, we, as we're tagging and as we're making notebooks and things like that, that after a while we've got a pretty powerful library that we can share with people. And it's very easy to be reading a scripture and just feel prompted that you need to share that with somebody in your ward or something because they're going through something, and and it's just so easy to share. You just, you just select it, and it's off on a text message or an email or whatever you want. So those are the advantages of the gospel library over the printed matter. But uh, I used to think it was either or, but I've come to the conclusion, the Lord's, gradually directed me to this, that the, the gospel library is uh, a tool that Heavenly Father has given us to enhance our gospel learning. And so I encourage people that if they're going to use a hard copy of the scriptures, which is fine, some people just like the feel of paper, they like the smell of it or whatever, um, but do your recording in the gospel library because it's It's much easier to find in the the future if you have a quote that you really like and you're in a Sunday school class and you'd like to mention that quote but you can't quite remember the exact quote or exactly who said it, boy, within a few seconds with the gospel library you've got it right there in your hand. The second thing is most people do not know that um, your gospel library, all your data uh, can be passed to future generations. And so by you marking, of course, you've got your hard copy of the scriptures, which you can pass on, and your notebook can be passed on to your children. And of course, then they can make copies of that. But the other thing is to consider is that the gospel library is being backed up on the church servers. And if anybody knows about computing, it doesn't back up to one spot. Uh, one server backs up to another server to another server so it, it's a very complicated uh, process and there's somebody that oversees all that a team of people actually and so it's something that um, I think it's good because uh, the one problem with hard copies is that uh, fire uh, earthquakes I've seen it all tornadoes hurricanes <laughs> um, can uh, take that stuff away very quickly where if it's on the church servers it's pretty well preserved so uh, i hope that you'll consider looking more into the gospel library but if you don't i i'm just amazed at what you're doing i really am Um, a a mother of 10 and um, moving moving just (laughs) being in the military and moving amazes me um our my father-in-law his first wife died of cancer and then he remarried and her name was Marilyn. In fact, they were both named Marilyn. <laughs> she was, the, the second wife had two N's after her name instead of one. So she was Marilyn with two N's. But she, uh, her husband died of Lou Gehrig's disease. He was a dentist in the military. And I can't remember how many times she told me she moved. And I talked to her about it. I said, you must have this down as a science. To, to be able to just pack up and and move to another location and she told me what tip, you know, tips and tricks that she used to 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 be able to move and I I'm, I'm assuming you've got that down too.
1: Well, the military moved us a lot of those times, but we have our uh, we've had to move ourselves the last few times. It's yeah, I mean, you learn what to do.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, well, it's the packing. They don't do the packing for you, do they?
1: Uh, they will, yes.
0: Oh, they will. Wow. Now, from what you've said, I assume your your husband's with Jag.
1: He is.
0: Okay, so he's an attorney. How much longer is he going to be in the service?
1: Well, no, that's a good question. It's twenty years this month, so okay. um, he's uh, looking at a civilian job um, possibility here. Well, we'll know here in a few weeks. So
0: okay, and um, well, of course, where you move to would depend upon where that job is. But I was going to ask if you if you had to move anywhere and pe- stay permanent, where would you move?
1: The job I is, am speaking of is actually right here in Rhode Island. So, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's been the discussion for the last year because we did not plan in any way, shape, or form to retire here, but. Mm-hmm. The Lord seems to have other ideas. so.
0: Well, then that's what you follow. I appreciate the time with you. I know you said uh, in our emails that you didn't know if they had anything to offer, but you had a whole lot. I'm just really amazed at what you do and uh, the things that you've accomplished and how you study the scriptures. and
1: the stories here. Yes. Of things. If you wanted specifics.
0: Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, I'll tell you one of my more recent experiences. My husband, he was deployed to Afghanistan in 2018. And while he was there, his job was to help, well, I'm not really sure what he was doing, but he was he was trying to the military, the Afghans military justice system. Mm um so he had to meet with afghan leaders on a regular basis and as part of that process he had an interpreter that would be with him every time he went to these meetings and he would be he'd have bodyguards with him and so he was he was on in a safe location but he had to go out and meet with these these afghans which by the way it turns out having 10 children is a real bonus when you're (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in fact, his interpreters knew that these generals and warlords would uh, that they would look up to my husband if they knew he had five sons.
0: Mm. So they
1: always wanted to know how many wives he had. Oh, which <laughs> <laughs> was uh, funny. It you know funny to us in our culture, but of course they didn't know why. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but through that experience, he became very close to. Some of these Afghans. well, of course all this um, terrible meltdown that happened in Afghanistan this last summer it was just so hard on him. Um, of course harder on the people, but he started getting emails and phone calls and messages. well, not really phone calls because they couldn't call, but there you know certain kinds of apps that they would use and to communicate with him and they were just desperate. please help me. how do I get out? And of course, their daytime is our nighttime. So for weeks, my husband was getting dinged all night long. I more than once woke up in the middle of the night and saw him awake messaging these people. It was, there were four different men that he was close to that he was trying to help get out. And of course, Steve had my husband. He had no power to make that happen himself. Anyway, it was a very difficult time for him. Um, we prayed as a family. We uh, sent out prayer requests to everyone, you know, in our family circle, friends and family. I believe it was the beginning of September, we decided to hold a family fast, and we invited friends and family to join us. And I came out from church that Sunday to study scriptures. And I prayed to know where I should study, and the Lord said, study tradition well not sure how that related but you know i've learned i need that's what i need to do so i turned to the word tradition and i started looking up scriptures and then i found my scripture which was alma 9 16 the lord will be merciful unto them oh well the the verse says there are many promises which are extended to the lamanites for it is because of the traditions of their fathers that caused them to remain in the state of ignorance Therefore, the Lord will be merciful unto them and prolong their existence in the land. Anyway, those couple of verses right there, I knew that was my answer. The Lord was letting me know that he knew these people, he loved them. And in his mind, they were like the Lamanites. And some additional insights came to me at that time. Um, I was told to, that to fast and pray for their deliverance. Miracles would happen. And as they struggled in their difficulties, um, because many of them, the Taliban were actually searching for them. One family had five young children. The Taliban were searching for him by name, and they were having to go from apartment to apartment. My husband sent him money for food. It was a very desperate situation. Anyway, I was told, bring their souls directly to me. And if they do not live, they are not condemned, but will come to my arms. So I told my husband about this revelation I received. I said, you know, we have two different religions, but God knows them. And your communications with them encourage them to go directly to him for help and support and peace and guidance. Which he tried to do. But I'm very happy to say today that all of those families are safe. Good. And uh, the family with the five children—they are here in the United States already, and they are safe. And that—that that is truly a miracle. The details—I I can't go into the details because it would be too long and complicated. But it is a miracle, and it is God's—God's God's hand is in that. But that scripture that day came right to me, and I knew it. You know, it gave me peace. And help me understand the situation better and help calm my mind. Yes anyway.
0: Yes, that's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Do you have any others?
1: Oh, so many. Um, one scripture came to me a few years ago, or it was actually an image, and this is the thing that I find would be I guess I could take a picture of it and put it in some kind of digital form, but the image came to me of a door and a door of revelation and perhaps this was just to me but it helped me understand the process of revelation i was shown that the door the door knob, is scriptures and prayer that so that's how we op how the operation upon which we can open that door the, the door had three hinges um This is what I was told. God giveth liberally and upbraideth not. He desires to give us revelation. The door will turn on one or two of these hinges, but it does so more easily when all three are in place. We turn the doorknob and open the door through scriptures and prayer. And the hinges were faith, obedience, and then I had to search to try and at least, you know, to try and figure out what that third one was. And then I believe it is repentance and forgiveness. And then I was told, what keeps the door closed? Judgment, bickering, grudges, gossip, disunity are some of the things. Anyway, the image I'm working on right now, I have felt I want to study um, through an experience that a friend and I were having. Yeah, I was trying to help her understand something in myself as well. We did a very in-depth study of DNC 121, this unrighteous dominion. I spent weeks studying just that section. It was just Mm -hmm. so interesting. And after studying that, the latest image I'm working on is trying to understand God's power and how we use it, how it can be used, what principles it operates on. And the image I have, I'm working, trying to figure out the pieces of that right now, which is, I'm on month three and I'm still working on that one, but... The images of wind, like at a beach, we have lots of beaches here in Rhode Island. So I imagine myself at the beach and the wind that's rushing up off the shore is God's power. It's always there. It's always constant. And we need to learn. We have a kite that we're trying to get up into the air. And then the kite has different parts on it. You know, the tail and the string and the cross pieces. And they all, they all play a part in balancing and losing God's power. And I'm not, I'm not sure what some of the pieces are. I'm still working on that. But that's been real interesting. So I've been studying priesthood and authority and power. And anyway.
0: Yes. Um, first of all, when you were mentioning the hinges and you were thinking what the third one was, I thought she's going to say obedience. <laughs> Because I thought obedience would fit there. And, uh, of course, you came up with uh, forgiveness. But, uh, no, I, I, I love the imagery you just uh, gave about the door and, and the three hinges. And you are right. Uh, Elder Packer said that um, the scriptures are the key to revelation. Absolutely. And yes.
1: you mentioned that you like images. And, you know, obviously that works for me as well. and God knows that. So
0: Yes, Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll do mind maps. I, I do it electronically on my iPad or on my Mac. But um, uh, I've even had, um, I did a mind map of uh, the introduction to the Book of Mormon because it's not written well, <laughs> at least for somebody with my learning disability. So, um, in fact, I spent two weeks on it with a study group. Just two weeks we studied just that introduction, and I thought, for me to make sense of it, I've really got to map it out. So that's what I did, and I have that. And um, I actually link these mind maps into the gospel library because once I create the mind map, I can then save it as a PDF. That PDF has a link, and then I can link into a note in the gospel library. And then whenever I want to see the that mind map, I can just... Um, just click on the link and go there, and then come right back. So that's that's how I I manage that. Uh, yes, I I love the imagery that of that door. I'm never going to forget that. I, I really like that. Um, yes, uh, what happened in Afghanistan is terrible, and these families and uh, people losing their lives, and, and the, what's happening with the children, and it's just um, it's absolutely terrible. Now. Uh, With a woman with so much faith, when your husband was assigned to Afghanistan, uh, you certainly had concerns. How did you deal with it?
1: Well, the the first time was the hardest. He was deployed in 2006. Okay. Uh, He was actually much safer at that time. Um, I was pregnant with number six. Um, He came home and told me uh, there's a possibility I could get deployed. Um, but my boss, who was a woman at the time, and she was actually a new widow and a, a single mother, she was very understanding of the fact that it might not be a good time because she knew I was pregnant. She said, I don't know if she's supposed to say this, but she said i I might be able to get somebody else to go in your place. And he came home and told me that, and I said, no, I, I know you're supposed to go. I knew. So he went and um, I had number six while he was gone, but that experience was really important for me and for him. He grew in important ways, both professionally and spiritually. And for me, I had no one. I mean, I had some family members that were supportive, uh, certainly, but it was me and the Lord, you know, it. We would email back and forth. My husband and I, and we could talk on the phone about once a week. <clears throat> that was back in. That was in, I already said that was two thousand six. So technology is a little different then. But what sustained me at that time was reading the accounts of pioneer women
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what they had to go through. Mm-hmm. And I compared it to my own situation. I thought I've got it easy. I don't have a farm to run. I don't have a country to cross. I can continue to, you know, be with my children at home. My husband's making a nice income still. And um, so I tried to look, look for the positives. And the Lord, I had uh, had many miracles happen, including um, the day my son was born. He had the cord was very tightly around his neck. And he, um, I don't remember the medical term, but it kind of strangled him as he came out and he had all this like bloodshot eyes for a few weeks. And anyway, when he came out, he wasn't doing very well. They had to take him to the, the uh, NICU. Of course that was stressful and difficult. Um, and then the pediatrician came in and said his, he has a really high white blood cell count. Mm. Um, Sorry, this is a neat experience. I'm just very emotional about it. Anyway, I knew my husband, of course, he'd stayed up to talk to me on the phone and see how things were doing, but how the baby was doing. I know he was praying on his knees on the other side of the world. And the baby, um, he was released a few hours later. And uh, the next morning, the pediatrician came in. He was a member of the church. He came in and said, well, it was. I remember it was a Sunday morning, bright, beautiful sun coming in. My hospital roomie came in and said, well, I don't know what happened. Either the hospital has mixed up the blood samples, which isn't likely, or we've just seen a miracle. But his blood is normal.
0: Hmm.
1: I guess blood don't drop that precipitously, precipitously overnight, but it did. Wow. I feel that was a miracle given to us because of my... Husband's willingness to serve and my willingness to sacrifice, in that at that time.
0: Yeah, I I thoroughly agree. I agree with you. It's not just the pioneer women, but the pioneers. Um, we had a grandson come with his girlfriend and stayed with us for uh, about four days, and uh, they'd never been to Utah. So one of the places we hit was Heritage Park um, up there. At the, this is the place monument, and they have they they've moved buildings pioneer buildings into this this park so made it look like a little town but there's one cabin i don't think it's more than 10 by oh might be 15 by 10 maybe it's a 15 by 10 room and then to get upstairs you had to go outside and climb a ladder and this family had 10 children and I'm going, my God, where did they put... I mean, obviously, those the children had to go outside, no matter what the weather was, climb the ladder to get up into their room. And there wasn't a big door up there. It was more like a little hutch or a little square thing that they would crawl into. And um, they must have been stacked, or, you know, these bodies right next to each other to keep warm. and And just... I guess you tried to get the children outside as much as you could, but um, the, the things that they did is just unbelievable. I've just we have it so easy. We just if I want to go to St. George, it's going to take me about four hours, and it's in an air-conditioned car or it's heated. And I think many times of Brigham Young going down there, and um, it took uh, several days and on a wagon, with no, not very comfortable. So yeah, I I could see where you identified with the the sisters in that. Well, I could talk to you for hours actually, but uh you've got children. <laughs> I don't. All mine are out of the house, but uh I really appreciate the time with you. I've I've really enjoyed this and I want to thank you again for being with me now. Um I always ask uh to end the podcast for the person I interview to share their testimony. Would you be willing to do that?
1: Of course. Absolutely. Um, I have a testimony of God. I know he is real. I know we has children. I know we are literal divine offspring of him. And we have incredible glory and power that we will see someday. I know he loves us. He wants nothing more than us, than we. Than for us to reach out to him. I have a testimony of the Savior, Jesus Christ. He has all power given to him by the Father to help us in our mortal journey. I know he will be there for us when we need him. I know he answers our prayers. God and Christ are aware of us and give us what we need. I have a testimony that the church is true, and that Russell Nelson is a prophet called of God today to lead us during these difficult times. And I know the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, it's translated by Joseph Smith, is given to us in these days to help us navigate the difficult times that we face as we wait for the Savior's return. I know that each one of us is here on earth for a purpose, and that God will reveal this purpose to us as we seek Him. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.